15 minutes ago, the world changed. Companies are microchipping their workers. Robots are hiring humans. And brain-to-brain -brain communication is a thing. This is all happening now. If you want to know what happens next, listen to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Kurt Vonnegut once surmised that there was really a limited number of stories. Well, he wasn't the first to say that. Other people have talked about it, but he had, <laughs> he wanted to put together an entire program around this idea that there's only maybe 15, 20, 30 stories that there were, you know, we had a long journey, uh, the journey and the return, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, uh, man falls into a hole, uh, Oedipus, rise, fall, rise again. Uh, they're really just these kind of recurring ideas when it comes to stories. And all we're doing is putting a new fresh coat of paint on it. And that's the difference between uh, Romeo and Juliet and West Side Story. Why the heck am I bringing up Kurt Vonnegut? Well, uh, first off, if you haven't read Slaughterhouse-Five, please do so. Cat's Cradle is my other favorite. I like that one a lot. That's not nearly as famous. Um, in fact, it's really weird, uh, but whatever. Um, <laughs> no one needs to get into my sense of what I think good literature is. But the point is, is that when we talk about employer brands and employer value propositions, it's very easy to hear someone like me say things like, well, there's really only about eight or nine different positions, or there's really only about 40 motivations that people have and say, well, wait, 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 time out, buddy, time out. You're telling me that of the 18 to 20 million businesses in America, some, or heck, 30 or 40 million in the world, you're telling me they all can be unique and different, but somehow they all are one of seven or eight or nine kind of positions or only leverage one of 40 motivations or traits? How is that possible? Are you just oversimplifying things just to kind of get paid? And if so, how do I get my cut? Well, that's not really what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that in the same way that the stories that we tell today whether it's Hollywood, whether it's a novel, whether it's Netflix, it doesn't matter. The stories we're telling today are no different than the stories they were telling before they had printing presses, before they had uh, telephones. That frankly, the stories that we told each other, you know, of the, of the of the location, of the time, the news of the land, the heralds and the the people who talked about what's been going on. Even before that, when we could carve out hieroglyphics or cuneiform onto bricks, the stories we were telling are effectively the same stories as we tell now. And that is interesting to me, and that's really what I want to talk about. So we're going to talk about storytelling and tales and employer brand when we get back. Welcome to the TalentCast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis, and I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, how you doing, James Ellis? Housekeeping. Uh, really, it's just right now it's the employer brand headlines. We're now up to, we're about to crack 900 subscribers, which blows my mind. Uh, so like I said, it's, uh, or like I've said before, 
there's no pitching. It's really just about how do uh, how do, can I help keep you sharp? How do you make sure I give you the digest of all the news? Someone called it the skim of employer branding. I'll take that. That wasn't very very. That was incredibly kind of them. And, but that's really the gist of it. It's it's hey, here's five ten articles that potentially you should know about, and whether you read them or just kind of read my note on it, that's me be all you need. So there you go. So sign up. For, go to employerbrand.news and sign up today. Otherwise. Let's get back to the show. So it's the day after Christmas and I got a new microphone. Can you tell? I don't know yet. I haven't listened to it yet. So I just plugged it in and went because that's the kind of nature of the way we do this podcast. Good enough. Let's go. Um, So let's talk about story. Yeah, Kurt Vonnegut really kind of, he actually submitted the idea that there were a set number of stories. He referred to them as shapes. He called them, there are really only a handful of story shapes. Uh, let me pull up my notes to make sure I get them right. So he had things like there's a tragedy, there's a rags to riches, there's a Icarus, which is a rise and fall, there was a man in a hole, there was an Oedipus, which is a rise, fall, or a, a fall, rise, fall, um, boy meets girl, Cinderella, you know, really that's <laughs> really just some very simple ideas. And then what we do is we project our own context into them. And that's why we can all read Shakespeare or Canterbury Tales and say, okay, I really don't know much about what it was like to be a kind of a boy prince or, is prince the right word? Uh, Prince or princess, the Romeo and Juliet's, right? They weren't really prince and princesses, but they were the golden children of their families, and they were very, very prosperous families that were warring and fighting. And each one had their coterie of hangers-on and supporters and allies, and it was a very complicated story, right? The individuals involved were each having their own agenda of trying to separate them and keep Romeo from Juliet and vice versa. That's a story that I can't get into because I've never been a boy prince or princess. I've never had that kind of level of uh, strategic thought in terms of my friends and who I would get a chance to marry, right, or partner with. That's not in my wheelhouse. That's not in my sense of, of, of references. But I can watch West Side Story and go, okay, this is a little closer, I can kind of get what it's like to be in the 50s and 60s. And maybe I'm not in a gang war and maybe I'm not in a cultural fight, but I get a sense. I know what that's like. I, I can get a sense of what that must be like. But that story is the same as Romeo and Juliet's, right? West Side Story and Romeo and Juliet is just a retelling of Romeo and Juliet in a different context. And that's kind of what's amazing about stories is that On some level, as humans, we are wired for different, just a simple set of stories that we go, yep, that sounds like a story. If I told you a story of once there was this guy and he wrote some post-it notes and he stuck them to a wall, the end, you'd be like, I don't want to call that a story because there's no plot, there's no friction, there's no climax, there's no development, there's no denouement, there's no kind of core story structures. And even if you get into making sure that Mr. Post-it note guy story had kind of a, a, you know, a a friction or not a friction, what's the word I'm looking for? That there was a a fight of some sort, that there was something he he or she was trying to overcome and what happened and what did it cost them to overcome it? That's, you know, it's still going to sound like, okay, well, this isn't really a story. This is just an interesting, maybe barely interesting sense of this person who had to write a post-it note. I don't care. 
But if I say, let's talk about stories as a guy falls into a hole. And forgive me, I'm stealing from Kurt, and he did a guy instead of a human. Uh, so forgive the gendered stereotypes here. But the sense of a guy falls into a hole and digs his way out as a story. Okay, that's an interesting concept. How do we tell that as a real story where it makes sense? Well, we could say, well, what if it's the guy who's a public teacher and he got cancer and uh, he can't pay for cancer and he's terrified that his family's going to go broke trying to pay for his cancer treatment, so he decides to make meth. Whoa, that's a guy who's digging himself a hole and he's got to find a way in because that's isn't that really what the entire plot of Breaking Bad was? It's six or seven seasons of him trying to find ways of digging himself out of furthering, deepening holes, right? Okay, I made meth. Now how do I sell it? Or how do I make a high quality of meth? Or how do I make a high quantity of meth? And okay, how do I make sure someone actually buys it? How does some, I get protection and now I've got other people coming at me and fighting at me and all this stuff. But every step of the way, he's digging himself a deeper hole and he knows that the only way to get out of this hole is to dig a deeper hole. He's trying to dig his way out. And over the course of the story, he gets the natural conclusion of that story by dying uh, fairly pleasant, unpleasantly. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I didn't mean to spoil it for you. But that's the sense of a guy figures out he digs his way out of a problem. He solved all his problems and ended up exactly where you knew he was going to, to solve. And that is the story. If you watch The West Wing, another one of my favorites, you know there's an episode in which Josh has kind of a mental break. He has an episode and he ends up smashing a window with his hand and bloodying his hand. He tells the story and he recounts the story of how he got his hand all bloody. At the end of it, he's he has a, a conversation with his boss who says, yeah, you know, let me tell you a joke about a guy who falls into the hole and no one would help him except his friend walks by, jumps into the hole and says, what are you doing? Why are you jumping in the hole? He goes, don't worry, I've been in this hole. I know the way out. Now, Aaron Sorkin likes to do this machina, machina, whatever you want to say it. I'm not, my Latin's horrible. Uh, a lot of his stories where he's telling a joke that is effectively a microcosm of the entire story he's trying to tell. But that's what happened. Josh was finding, trying to find a way to dig himself out of a hole. He was having an issue. He was dealing with some mental issues, having just been shot and recovering and still dealing with the post-trauma of the stress or the stress of the trauma. And... Things kept triggering him, and he kept trying to find ways of getting himself out, and he kept finding himself in deeper and deeper holes. So you've got Breaking Bad, you've got the single episode of West Wing, and you've got the joke they tell inside that single episode of West Wing, which are effectively three stories telling the same story of a guy who falls in a hole and is going to try and dig his way out. How is that possible? How is it possible that those three stories are the same story and yet in no way would you confuse any of them? How is it that we can tell a story that we might refer to as a long journey with a return home and you might say, that sounds like the plot for Lord of the Rings, it is, or it's the plot for the last Mad, Ma Mad Max movie, it is, and what does it mean? How is it possible that story can be told involving a guy trying to drop a ring in a lake of fire somewhere or a bunch of refugees trying to find the promised land on the edge of the horizon? How is that the same story? But it is. And there's a lot of parallels here I want to point out. When we talk about employer brands and employer value propositions, we talk about, hey, if your company is offering a lot of X, and when I say X, I mean you know, whether it's innovation or opportunity or collaboration or stability or status or, or, or whatever, one of the handful of things that 
really make up an EVP. Even if you leverage Universum's 40 attributes or 40 motivations model, that's still only 40. <laughs> that's really not a big number of things that companies can offer people that people really want in their job. The trick isn't picking one. It's understanding what you are. But the real trick is to find and create stories that tell that idea, that illustrate that concept, that turn a guy who falls into a hole into seven seasons of Breaking Bad, in extending it, and really dry, drawing it out. Here's a good way of looking at it, and, and, and we can start to see how it gets a little more complex. Look at a story of a guy falling into a hole. Maybe the guy's an ad uh, creative in New York City in 1960, and he's realizing that everything he thought he wanted in life, he doesn't really want, and it's not satisfying him. And so he finds himself digging ever deeper holes, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally, but that his internal, his, his own motivations drive him into positions where he finds himself in ever deeper holes, where his decision-making leads him to have affairs, and his decision-making leads him to alienate co-workers, and leads him to uh, uh, fight with his bosses, or to, you know, get into really weird trouble, or, you know, to go away, and then come back and find a way, way to sell the business, and keep him, to keep the plate spinning, Right? It's a story told over, I want to say, six seasons of a guy who, in his own world, is just going from one hole to a deeper hole to a deeper hole. Now, that gets interesting because on the surface, Don Draper of Mad Men, for whom that is true, he looks like a guy who's got it all put together. He's got a gorgeous wife. He's got a lovely family. He's got a nice house. He's got a great job. Everybody at work, you know, thinks he's a flippin' genius. Um, his bosses let him do whatever he wants to do for the most part. He has a ideal life. And yet, as the story progresses, we start to realize that below the surface, there's no such thing as ideal life. This is a guy grappling with complicated issues and really his own poor choices and poor... Uh, instincts drive him to deeper issues. Now, we get even more complicated when you do something like introduce a character like Peggy Olson. Now, Peggy Olson gets introduced in the very first episode, and on a lot of levels, you start to think, oh, this is the character they bring in to be the surrogate for the audience, so that when someone shows her around the office and says, this team does that, and this team does that, and this is how the agency works, and this is, you know, they're really kind of doing all the exposition of telling the story of what it's like to be in an agency. Except that's not Peggy's job. Peggy, because this is a really well-written show, and by the way, for me, Mad Men is still the best written show, not my favorite, but the best written, she goes from being initially an audience surrogate, the wide-eyed, I don't understand how things work, taking the place of the audience's viewpoint so that the audience can learn and understand where they are in time and place and understand the context of all this stuff. She starts to have her own story. And that story is, in a world where women are discounted and are not given the opportunities, how, do, how does she get a toehold into this world? How does she carve a little niche for herself so that she can really dig in and say, okay, I want to be as good as you, Don Draper. I want to do the same quality of work. I want my ideas to have just as much consideration of yours. How do I make that happen? And her process, a diligent process of working harder than other people, trying harder, bringing in new ideas, not settling, 
always pushing things forward, but not in a way that tips over the apple cart, not the way Don Draper is always kind of making a mess of everything. But she's diligent, she's hardworking, she's smart, and she's patient, right? She's slowly and methodically getting better. She's increasing and bettering her position in the organization, inside the economy, inside her own self. She's taking steps forward. And then it's interesting, as she starts to achieve professional success, she also has a parallel situation with Don where she doesn't find satisfaction with her relationship, that owning the building makes her life miserable, that things on her life are just harder and harder, even though on the outside it looks like she's elevating every single moment. That's a really complicated story around the idea of a guy falls into a hole. That's how you need to think about your employer brand. Once you figure out and understand what position or motivations you need to speak to, your job is to pull that out and turn it into a guy falls into a hole into Mad Men or Breaking Bad or The West Wing, right? And, or any number of <laughs> millions of other stories that potentially could be. That's your job on a lot of levels, or at least that's a lot of the day-to-day. And that's how you make your employer brand unique. You start to talk about if we're all about opportunity and giving people a chance to grow and, and, and develop for themselves and make their own choices and that authority and autonomy, how do we make that real? Because if you stand there and say, work for us, you're going to get lots of autonomy and responsibility. That's about as engaging an idea as me pitching a story of, let's just say a guy falls into a hole and digs his way out. No one's going to buy that story. No one's going to say, oh, that's interesting. I want to learn more because I just told you it. But if I start by saying, look, meet Don Draper. He seems to be king of the universe. He seems to be, things are going really well. He meets Peggy Olson. They're in very different positions and different, but over time, things change. Things happen to them. Other characters are introduced. Other situations are introduced. Other events happen to them and they respond to stimulus differently. And that's the story you're telling. So if you want to talk about opportunity, go in an interview or talk to your number one new business development person and ask them, what's it like to have lots of autonomy and authority? Or what's it like, what does it mean to have authority in this company? Or not authority, I'm sorry, not authority, autonomy or, or opportunity. And let them tell their story from their own viewpoint. But then go to legal or go to HR or go to, you know, accounting and say, okay, same story, but how do you tell that story? How do you talk about your sense of autonomy and accountability and opportunity in a space where it's not always standard? You know, I, I think I've talked about before, if you're talking about opportunity, what a new business development person sees as opportunity is really, really high, right? That's a job where you're expected to have a good deal of autonomy. Go, you know, you eat what you kill, you go make as much money as you can, you figure out how to make it happen, but you do it on your own terms. And the better you do it, the better your outcome and the worse you do, well, that's on you. What HR sees, what accounting sees, they don't have nearly as much room for just go and make it work. They have a lot of rules, they have a lot of standards, they have a lot of practices they have to manage. But at the same time, they still see themselves as having opportunity and autonomy. It's just that their scope is different. It's kind of like in the same way that the stories that happen in Downton Abbey are small, very self-contained stories because the stakes don't always seem very high. It's very personal. It's very internal stories, right? Why, won't I, why can't I get what I want? 
Whereas if you told that story on a Michael Bay level or a Quentin Tarantino level, they're shooting. <laughs> it's loud. Things will explode. Um, that's really what it's about. How you tell the story, it's the same story, but what they talk about, how they talk about it is what makes it real is what gives it value. So that if you're trying to attract another accountant, you can't tell that opportunity story from the new business perspective because they're gonna tell a Michael Bay level story of autonomy. And you need to engage with them on a level that's much more Downton Abbey, a little more, you know, BBC, a little more, um, you know, quiet, a little more Hallmark Channel maybe. Um, they're very different, but you know, you get what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's The stakes are lower, but it's very internal, but it's about, Yes, there are, is chances for me to be autonomous and create opportunity. It's just at a very different scale. And that scale is real. And if it's going, and that's going to talk to other accountants or other HR people who say, yeah, that's the level of autonomy and opportunity I think our industry can handle, and I'd love to be a part of that. Flip it around. Talk about, let's say that the business you're in is all about stability. The new business development person is going to be like, Wah. that's not true. They're, they're not going to be one. They're going to say, okay, it's about stability. Great. It's going to be about putting my calls in, making my sales calls, uh, having my number of meetings. It's going to be about rote process. But if I do, if I do, if I follow the rules, I'm going to get the outcome and that's fine. Whereas over on the other side, over on accounting, the sense of community, the sense of stability is going to go through the roof because they have a different scale. Think about that, right? You're telling the story of a journey. Yeah, you can do a Mad Max. Yeah, you can do a Lord of the Rings. You can also do Canterbury Tales. It's just that sense of going someplace and learning about yourself and being changed by the experience and returning to something from it is going to be smaller. It's going to be more subdued. It's going to be more interesting and subtle. Thomas Hardy telling that story in the, in the 1700s. 1700s? That sounds right. Um, is going to tell it in a way that's going to be incredibly boring. But for the time, it's completely appropriate. If I'm looking for a job as a product manager, I want to hear product manager stories, which means the right scale, the right volume, the right characters, the right impulses, the right, you know, all the storytelling elements. If I'm a product manager and you're telling me an accounting story, I'll be like, this is boring. Why are you telling me Thomas Hardy stories when I'm looking at the new, I'm looking at Netflix, looking for stuff that blows up? That's a lot of ways what the job is, but that's how ultimately you're able to tell a unique and authentic story about your business and your company. Those are important words, unique and authentic, right? But still following in this idea that there's only a handful of positions and there's only 30, 40 motivations that people might have. It's not so much that somebody's trying to sell you something from an employer brand by saying there's only about nine positions you can have or there's only about 40 motivations you can really tap into. It's not that you're the only one tapping into it. It's just that the way you tap into it, the people you're trying to reach, the audience is about using the same language and using the same vernacular and using the same references. That's how you tell a story that's unique that still connects to that position. That's, that's how they can only be a set number of stories. And every time we're surprised when James Bond walks out of the, the movie, you're like, I can't believe he survived it. Well, of course he was going to survive it. His story is the exact same every single time. Star Wars is a functionally the exact same story every single time. It's not a surprise. What's surprising is how they tell it. What's surprising is how they show it. What's surprising is how they elicit it and all the characters they introduce it to reinforce and retell that story. 
It's not that you need to invent a brand new story that's never been invented before. It's just that you need to tell the story in a way that is true to you so that like-minded people can go, oh, that sounds interesting. I want to learn more. That's the job. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope that was useful. If you have any questions, if that was not clear, and by the way, second time I recorded that because I hated the first version, um, ask me questions on the Twitter, on the web, on the LinkedIn, all the places you can find me. Otherwise, sign up for the employer brand headlines. I'm happy to help keep you sharp in the world of employer branding. That's employerbrand.news. Otherwise, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. This is the last episode for 2019. So for 2020, let's have a great year. All right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. This has been an episode of The Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple of ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter, at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or let's just talk that's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent or i bet if you just search for james ellis i pop up pretty quick otherwise if you have any questions concerns considerations ideas for podcasts holler at me let me know what's going on thank you if you've shared it please share if you haven't rate us review us i love all that stuff it really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there thanks again and uh, we'll see you next week Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.